Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Croft. Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's SalemVote.com. There's probably nothing bigger, many of you think through this, at least in the short term, there's really nothing bigger in our local world here in the, in the Mid Valley area, but certainly having to do with those of you who work in Salem, there's nothing bigger than giving us the right to vote on this new Salem city tax, which costs the average person $509 a year at a time when inflation is still almost 5%. And we're heading into a recession, according to Oregon and U.S. economists. This is our opportunity, folks. We have to send a message, a powerful message. And that's what you can do by going to LetSalemVote.com. There you can easily, with one click, sign the petition. Now, by the way... Nick Hall, who is with Marion and Polk First, is partnering the Oregon Business and Industry, which is the chief petitioner here, is partnering with them to get the word out and to be a part of the gathering apparatus of signatures. We need 4,000 valid signatures, so they're really shooting for 6,000. Turned in by August 9th, which means we have to have them a little bit early. Nick Hall is going to join us today at 630 to talk more about this. The committee, by the way, that's paying for it is refer the tax on Salem workers. Ordinance bill number 12-23. And KSLM, by the way, is going to have the petition at our office today. So, folks, this is your opportunity. We're going to talk with Nick Hill about that. Also going to talk about... A stunningly powerful story for free speech. State Senator Brian Boquist of Dallas, you've heard him many times on the show. He's a good friend of mine. He won a First Amendment lawsuit against the state of Oregon in federal court. And it's powerful. We're going to try to talk with him tomorrow, and I'm telling you it's powerful for a number of reasons. The Oregonian story by Betsy Hammond on this today doesn't even begin to get into the real implications of it all. I'm going to tell you, there is so much to be seen here because this, this goes deeper than what I think many of us realize in terms of protecting our free speech rights. Now, for those of you who are subscribed to 
Senator Boquist bi-weekly newsletter, you'll get this. You got it. There's a lot of links to it. There are some important things to remember because it, it does relate to Measure 113. And Senator Boquist in his newsletter addresses this. Measure 113, according to the Oregon Public Broadcasting, you know, this leftist publicly funded, our taxpayers pay for Oregon Public Broadcasting, news outlet. They state, quote, Measure 113 places too much power in the hands of the Senate president and the House speaker. The two legislative leaders, currently Democrats, who decide whether absences are marked excused or unexcused. This was a four-year lawsuit on the part of Senator Boquist. He was awarded $1 in damages. But the judge awarded him his attorney fees. He has funded this lawsuit out of his own pocket. Whereas the state has been fighting him through the attorney general's office and my old buddy, who's a lawyer for the state of Oregon, Mark Abrams, and he is. He's, he's a lefty and, and uh, he's a smart guy, but he loses as much as he wins. At any rate, Mark, I love you. Uh, he also has a radio show on, on KS or um, on another radio station in Portland. Now, folks, understand that the implications of this are absolutely powerful. And the judge, the federal judge in this, has, well, made some important points. I think these are things that have to be considered in the context of going forward with a lawsuit on Measure 113. Now, Vance Day and Beth Jones were the Salem-based lawyers that were representing Brian Boquist over four years, folks. A lot of money. Brian Boquist has spent well over $100,000 of his own money at least. It's a lot. This is a big deal, folks. It's a very, very big deal. The basis of this in this lawsuit against Peter Courtney, against, see, who all did he... Sue here. It wasn't just Courtney. Um, Floyd Przanski and Jim Manning. They got represented in their lawsuits, again, with folks, hundreds of motions. I mean, again, you do this over four years in federal court. It just takes time. They were represented by you, the taxpayer. You funded this lawsuit, the response to it. Brian Boquist paid for it, and he's he's the one who initiated it, okay? They paid for, he paid for it out of his own pocket. The defense was paid for by us. Now, this follows a Ninth Circuit court ruling that was really the 
it was the the twelve hour notice requirement. One of the things that was imposed on one of the unconstitutional restrictions against free speech that was imposed on Brian Boquist was this twelve hour notice that he had to notify the state police twelve hours because he's such a danger, right? Yeah, and part of their argument for this was that he's a veteran. He was a Green Beret for his entire, almost all his entire 30-year career in the U.S. Army. Retired as a lieutenant colonel. And that was one of the interesting things that Judge McShane noted. There was a particular bias an implied bias against veterans, that just because they're veterans, they might be prone to going wacko with a gun on the floor. Betsy Johnson, my old colleague and friend, also Brian Boquist, was among many who were called to testify saying that they heard no one say they were actually afraid of Brian Boquist. His statements, quote from her, did not cause me any concerns for my safety or the safety of anyone else in the Capitol. To me, they were hyperbolic statements, unquote. In fact, Judge McShane quoted Betsy Johnson. Now, Courtney declined to comment about this. Saying, well, the state's lawyers are considering whether to spend more millions of dollars of your money appealing it to the Ninth Circuit, which has already struck down, right, in 22, the 12-hour notice. Noting it was an emotionally charged rhetoric, not true threats of violence. So this gets us, folks, to where we are in America today. This is the parallel that I'm trying to present to you that I I hope makes sense to you. What are the limits on free speech? This is why this has importance, friends. I'm telling you, and we're going to get Brian Boquist on the air to talk about it. The importance of this is far-reaching across America. And right now, in this time where Donald Trump is being persecuted with lawfare by the U.S. Department of Justice, by Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, because so much of what Trump is being accused of could be I mean, really just juxtaposed with the same conclusions of Judge McShane. Hyperbolic statements, politically, emotionally charged rhetoric. And if you compare what some Democrats have said, if you compare that to what Trump has said, and then compare it to what Brian Boquist said, it's a stunning, stunning parallel that this ruling, I truly believe, helps Trump enormously, especially in the expected, as we found out yesterday, expected January 6th 
indictment by special counsel Jack Smith on January 6th against Trump for the things he said. Now, on that basis, my guess is you're going to have enormous pressure from the United States Department of Justice, from Merrick Garland on Ellen Worthless Rosenblum is what I I call. I'm sorry, I don't generally characterize people that way in politics. I used to do a lot of it on the radio, but I, I really, you know, I try not to do that anymore. But this woman is worthless if there ever was as an attorney general, because everything she announces is big things that she's really looking into are tiny little things that make very little difference in our lives every day. The big things, like her refusing to follow the Oregon Constitution on the definition of marriage, like her refusing to hold the governor accountable for violating the Constitution when it comes to choosing the governors, both Kate Brown and Tina Kotek, not to enforce the death penalty. Those are big things. Choosing not to go after LaMotta. Choosing really not to go after FTX and the illegal donations to the Democrat Party. You see, the same corruption that exists with Merrick Garland protecting Joe Biden's criminal activities when he was vice president and Hunter, that same deep state mentality infects the Oregon Department of Justice, or at least some parts of it. Certainly from Ellen Rosenblum down. The way you fix that is with elections, folks. You get rid of that kind of thinking. But you got to expose it first. Back with some talking points about this free speech case and what it means to you, what you can say. 620, don't go away. You don't want to miss it. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Um, (laughs) Apparently, by the way, I want to apologize. Apparently, my podcast... For this show on KSLM.news, which is our website, apparently it's down for some reason. It's it's only on the website. Okay, not sure why they're trying to figure it out. So just y'all who are getting in a tither about it, just relax. You're okay. Take two aspirin, call me in the morning. All right. We are good to go. Nick Hall of Marion and Polk First is going to be joining us to talk about Let's Salem Vote petitions. By the way, don't know if you noticed, but uh, got a little warmer yesterday. It's going to be even hotter today and then even hotter tomorrow. Call Freedom Heating and Air. If you're not comfortable at home, they'll check. I mean, they'll literally come and check your system. They'll fix it. One of the things they do really, which is one of many great things that Freedom Heating and Air does well, is their emergency services. So don't be uncomfortable in your home or your business. Give them a call. They'll come out and fix it right away. Freedomheatingandair.net is their website. Freedomheatingandair, all one word, .net. 
is their website. Or just pick up the phone, give them a call, 503-580-1456. Don't suffer in the heat because it's going to get really warm. All right. This Brian Boquist win in federal court has huge implications for Donald Trump, folks. And for free speech in general. You see, here's what Judge McShane wrote that I think sets this quote-unquote precedence. We always hear about that, right? The implementation of the 12-hour rule was a retaliatory act against Brian Boquist in violation of his First Amendment rights to free speech and association. So let me stop there. My old friend Kevin Mannix, who voted in favor of the militia bill, one of two House Republicans, he and Charlie Conrad, That bill violates the First Amendment with free association, clearly. This ruling and the words of the judge just slapped down their reasoning for doing it. There are limits to free speech. The First Amendment was not intended to limit free speech, but rather to limit government's power to prevent free speech. Measure, or excuse me, this new law that Kevin Mannix and Charlie Conrad voted in favor of limits free association and by extension free speech. It's unconstitutional. Judge McShane also noted the 12-hour rule was a thinly-veiled publicity stunt that did nothing to increase public safety at the state capitol. Thinly-veiled political stunt. And it didn't increase public safety in any way. Now, one of the reasons why is because the state police never added, I mean, ostensibly, the committee that came up with this 12-hour rule said, well, we need a 12-hour notice so we can put more cops in the Capitol because Brian Boquist is so dangerous. That's the the stupid implication of that. They never staffed up for him. Not once. Didn't expect that they would. Now, that 12-hour notice violated... Senator Boquist's First Amendment right to, listen, voice political opposition. The rule was a form of punishment for voicing your political opposition. Again, Judge McShane notes specifically that it violated, the 12-hour rule specifically violated his right to freely associate with constituents at any time of day when he he writes, Judge McShane, plaintiff has shown that the 12-hour rule infringed upon his right to freely associate 
for the purposes of speech with his constituents at the Capitol at any time of day. Moreover, the rule did not further a compelling government interest. The evidence indicates it was purely political and most certainly related to the suppression of plaintiff's speech. The court finds no genuine issue of material fact that the 12-hour rule infringes upon plaintiff's right to freely assemble. Because Przansky, Courtney, and Manning argued that Boquist's military training gives him the ability and tendency to harm others. Judge McShane specifically rebuked their blatantly inappropriate bias against veterans. Defendants offer no evidence whatsoever that the plaintiff has a history of violence, Judge McShane wrote. Court will not entertain defendants' prejudiced contention that plaintiff's veteran status makes him more likely to carry out a violent attack. It is insulting to veterans. If members were truly worried of a shooting, statistically, they would bar teenagers from the Senate, not veterans. Free speech. Oh, and he also mentions how this has been settled by the U.S. Supreme Court. We're on that. Back in a moment at the bottom of the hour with Nick Hall. How you can participate with the petition put the Salem City tax to a vote. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back, my friends. Great to have you with us. 503-589-1220 is the Power of Buick GMC talk line. In just a moment, we're going to chat with Nick Hall of Marion Polk first about their involvement and how you can gather signatures to put to a vote this new Salem City income tax that the council arrogantly ignored your will, massive testimony against it, very little in favor of it, they imposed it anyway. Well, we get to have the opportunity, those of you who live within the city limits of Salem, and we'll talk with Nick Hall about that in a moment, exactly what that means. You have the opportunity to gather signatures and put this to a vote of the people. Let the people vote on taxing themselves in a high, in a time of very high inflation, in a time where we are, according to the Oregon State Economist and national economists, going into a recession, taxing yourselves 500 and six dollars more per year just because you work in the city of Salem. This is your opportunity. You can go to letsalemvote.com. Letsalemvote.com. And you can check it out. You can download the petition, sign it yourself. More importantly, I want to ask each of you, 
And I'm serious about this now. Each of you who are able, who live anywhere near or around Salem, I'm going to ask you to get at least one petition sheet with 10 names on it. And go, just fill in half of it. Get five names. Heck, some of you may live in households where you have that many people working in your family. They're all going to pay the $509, $506. So I want you to, and I mean this, I want as many of you who are absolutely able that live in the city of Salem, or even if you don't live in the city of Salem, you can still go get signatures from people who do. So if you live in Independence, you could go get a petition and go talk to your friends and neighbors that you know work in the city of Salem, state employees, county employees, doesn't matter. Private employees. You can go get a petition and get signatures. I want each of you to commit to do, doing that because we need 4,000 signatures, legitimate, verified signatures, which means we need 6,000. We need it by August 9th. Here to talk about all of this is Nick Hall of Marion and Polk First. Nick, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Did I say all of that correctly? Did, did, I, did I mischaracterize something there? I don't think so. Uh, we just need to make sure that if you live outside of the city of Salem, you are not eligible to sign it, even if you work in the city of Salem. We, I have been inundated with emails, people saying, well, I live in Almsville or uh, I live in uh, Staten, but I commute to Salem and I work inside the city of Salem. Can I sign that petition? Unfortunately, the answer is no, you cannot. Even though you will still be taxed by the city from your for your wages, isn't that so taxation we, without representation? <laughs> I mean, isn't that uh, unconstitutional? Last time I checked. Yeah. Last time I checked. I mean, I've never heard anyone say, "Well, gee, I love paying more taxes than I have to where I live." I, I, I've never heard anyone say that saying, and and I think that's why we're in such a uh, a great, unfortunately great, but unique position. Um, it's a really, uh, in my opinion, a nonpartisan issue. Uh, uh, both the left and the right should come together with this and leave it to the people to determine if, if they want to pay more taxes. You know, I'm, I'm reading over the, uh, the ordinance bill that the city used to pass this, and they expect uh, the city's population of Salem to grow by more than 14% in the, or it grew by 14% in the last 10 years. And they anticipate another 40,000 more residents in the city of Salem by 2045. This is clearly just a way uh, to line their pockets and get more money out of hardworking uh, Salemites. And it's, uh, Jeff, it is despicable that, um, we had counselors that went against the will of the people and decided to vote with it. We, we have some great counselors uh, on the Salem council and they said, no, this is not, this is not what the people want. And they voted against it. But unfortunately we've got a lot of progressives uh, sitting on the board um, who think this is the best move for, for Salem. You're right. And it is, I mean, it is an act of 
arrogance on the part of those five city councilors and the mayor to choose to ignore the massive and overwhelming opposition to this new income tax. But I think there's, Nick, I just see a silver lining in this, and it relates to what you guys do at Marion and Polk first. And here's the silver lining. This kind of thing, as you noted, crosses over political lines, crosses over ideological lines. It's a bottom line issue for families. And so therein lies the opportunity. Because if you get people who normally vote for the politicians who enact this kind of thing and normally vote leftist, normally vote Democrat, not liking this because it's really impacting their bottom line, their personal family pocketbook at a time when groceries are still high, gas is still high. This is an opportunity to get them thinking about permanent political realignment. That then gets to what you guys do at Marion and Polk first. In terms of candidates running for Marion and Polk elective offices. Yeah, just not not school board. You guys are very active in that. Thank you for coming to the political coffee clatch. Uh, and you and your candidates. But also you've got city council races coming up in the city of Salem. Getting people to sign this petition. Getting people to talk to their friends and neighbors about it. Who normally would vote for these leftist city council members who arrogantly ignore the will of the people. That's an opportunity for you guys to message to those people for the future, isn't it? Absolutely. And we uh, we feel very confident that we can get the uh, 4,000, but the 6,000 signatures just to be safe, because I'm sure there will be some ones that are disqualified in there uh, in the in the three week period. So as you alluded to, uh, everyone who's listening, you can go to letsalemvote.com. Um, you can print out just a, a single signature, but Jeff, I like the challenge that you gave to uh, your listeners, download the, uh, the 10 signature sheet. Um, just as a point of reference that for the first two pages on there need to be a front and back um, copy. Otherwise the signature sheet is uh, invalid. It's a very, believe it or not, bureaucratic bureaucracy red tape to get this uh, petition um you know, uh, authorized and officialized if, if you don't do it how they want you to do it. So if you're the one that's going around and collecting the sig- signatures, you are the circulator. And at the end, you will need to sign that and then turn it in to the Oregon Business and Industry Office in Salem. It's at 1149 Court Street, uh, Northeast, Salem, Oregon, 97301. Um, so that um, is where you will be dropping these off. We've uh, had tons of volunteers already saying, hey, can I help? Can I get signatures? Um, you can go online um, and it uh, can, uh, it'll, there will be a section where you can, um, it'll ask you how many signatures do you think you can get? Um, and it's really, it's really doable. Uh, if you break down the schedule, uh, the first couple days, we're just looking to get 100 signatures in total Um, And then it bumps up to 500 on the weekends because people have some more time um, on the weekend. And then back during the weekday, it's 100. So it's really a uh, 
feasible thing that we can accomplish. We just, you know, we need people to be tenacious about it and get out and get those votes. Um, and, but not, uh, again, as you alluded to, not only that, but we need to flip the city council come next year. Uh, you know, we were involved with, uh, Chris Cummings race as well. Uh, and Deanna Gwynn last year during the primary, if Chris, Chris Cummings lost by 188 votes, if Chris Cummings was on that, uh, city council over Mickey Varney, this would be a non-issue because we would have the votes to, uh, uh, shoot down these these tax bills that they're clearly passing with, you know, no problem whatsoever. Quickly in the last uh, 60 seconds, how can people find out if they live within the city limits of Salem? Uh, that is a good question. We haven't, I haven't checked that out. I would assume as long as your address, uh, your mailing address, Salem, Oregon, you qualify, uh, you qualify to sign the to sign the petition. You're not Nick, Bill thanks for joining us. Even Kaiser. Even Kaiser. Slim Kaiser. Folks, uh, Nick is going to be joining us at the Political Coffee Clatch next Tuesday night at the Honky Tonk to take your petitions, to answer more of your questions, and to hand out petitions. Absolutely. Don't miss it. Nick, thanks so much, and we'll have you on again to talk about progress. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great show. Back in a moment, 648. Don't go away. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back, my friends. Great to have you with us. 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC talk line. This is the last segment for today. Let'sSalemVote.com. That's the website. There they have very extensive and clearly written instructions about how you gather signatures. How you can sign a single signer petition. It's very easy. And print it off on your home computer, sign it, and put it in the mail, or just give it. Drop it off at Oregon Business and Industry. Folks, they're right across from the state capitol on Court Street. Can't miss it. It's a big building, big sign out front. But if you are going to go gather signatures, there's a little more work involved here, but it's easy to understand how to do it. And I'll have that link to this page specifically up on the show plan today at kslm.news. We'll get figured out whatever is going on there. Uh, By the way, Dwight, no, you ask me if I'm going to get involved in exposing the 20 shell corporations of the Biden family. No, I'm not. I'm going to let other people who are already doing that do that. Now. There are some emails with good questions here about uh, what's going on here with the tax increase. So let me let me get to those. Um, John McDonald writes, 
City of Salem map. Not everyone with a Salem address actually lives within the city of Salem limits. To see if you were within the city limits, do a search for Salem city map. Find your house to see if it's inside that line. Now, Mike writes an interactive map who says the kind of same thing. He says, Jeff, if your address is Salem, doesn't necessarily mean you can sign the petition. You have to live within the wards of said counselors. Here's an interactive map to see if you live in the boundary. And he includes a link. I'm going to have that link also, because this is really important. Now, like Nick said, if you have an address that says Salem, I'd sign the petition. Okay, err on the side of caution, so to speak. Not you, but Oregon Business and Industry, because here, here's what they've got to do, and this is why we have to get on this now, okay? you got to get on it now because here's the deal. They, We've got to get as many signatures as we can and turn them in prior to the 9th so that OBI, Marion Polk First, can check every signature to make sure, first of all, you're a registered voter and that you live within the city of Salem limits. Now, if you have a Salem address and you don't know and you have the opportunity to sign this thing, sign it because they'll catch it. But there is this City of Salem website where you can find what ward you live in. That means you live within the City of Salem. And there is a map there. Okay? So all of this is important and it's good. Mike, thank you for sending that to me and John. Uh, Gail writes an email. If they pay property taxes to the City of Salem, they will know who they are. I'm thankful, even with a Salem address, I do not pay city of Salem taxes. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Now, again, we're going to get more into this Tuesday night when we have the political coffee clatch. I should be almost done with my farm harvest that I can come up and be a part of that. Because I want to play for you a powerful video of Steve Bannon of the War Room. What he said Sunday at the Turning Point USA conference down in West Palm Beach, Florida, where they had over 6,000 young people who were fired up conservatives. What he said about us being in a holy war is true, but it's deeper than that. It truly is. Doug writes an email about the government, legislature, city councils, unelected bureaucrats cannot deputize or delegate in powers to enforce unconstitutional laws and regulations. Americans always leave it up to the experts to tell them what to do, which is our first mistake, by the way. He continues, when there is ever an opposition to something sinister, be it child trafficking or lockdown mandates, you can bet the powers that be control them too, always using sticks and carrots to get Americans to circle back and work within the broken system. He quotes the scripture, the Lord uses the foolish to confound the wise. Yes, indeed. Let's SalemVote.com. Now, I want to go back to something that is really important, but I got to encourage you to go to MyPowerHonda.com. They're one of our great sponsors. I want to thank them for being one of our great sponsors. 
They have today over 900 vehicles in stock, new and used, pre-owned certified vehicles, brand new Hondas. Check it out, mypowerhonda.com. I want to go back to the Brian Boquist federal court ruling. In the last couple of minutes, the importance of this for some of you who are listeners to this show. Okay. What the federal judge ruled applies to some of you, like Rebecca and others, who have, well, you fall under Rule 27, which is an unconstitutional rule. You see, they imposed on Rebecca that she has to notify the Capitol. If she's going to walk in the door, why? Because somebody complained, a Democrat staffer, she's told the story, complained about her. They felt threatened by her free speech. This is unconstitutional. And Judge McShane writes it. Listen to this. Elected officials may not punish political speech simply because they find it disagreeable, scary, or offensive. He wrote, The negative reactions of a small number of partisan listeners pales in light of the general consensus the plaintiff's statements were political hyperbole. So Rule 27, which is limited people like Rebecca's ability to walk into that Capitol, is unconstitutional because somebody, a staffer, complained about her because he didn't like her speech. That's unconstitutional, folks. And this ruling says it so. Also, legislators can't use a workplace harassment rule to circumvent the elected officials' First Amendment rights. The Conduct Committee, which is this committee that was formed that enforced this 12-hour rule, or came up with it, Judge McShane writes, the Conduct Committee does not even remotely resemble a neutral or independent body performing any adjudicatory function. You can't use the workplace harassment rule to circumvent free speech, folks. This has implications for some of you in the audience who've been, in essence, banned from the Capitol. And number two, just like Brian Boquist was with this rule. And number two, it has implications for Donald Trump. More on that tomorrow, and hopefully we'll have Senator Boquist on to talk about it. Make it a great day. Be encouraged. This is positive for your liberty. See you tomorrow. Dead home,